this is Paul. This is Wayne. Welcome, guys. Hello. Uh, we are recording this at an unusual time. It we it is an unusual time. It's thirteen o'clock. It is for me. Yeah. It's particularly weird. I didn't just roll out of bed and grumble about having to get up early enough to record. <laughs> and, and Aaron's had plenty of drinking hours under his That's belt true. now. Not, That's not true. just it, the one or two that he normally has. That's right. And it's not just rum in my coffee. It's uh, It's been scotch this afternoon. So <laughs> There's no coffee because then he won't sleep. That's right. That's right. Uh, we we are uh, you know there were other things going on this weekend, but we wanted to make sure that we got on the mics because it's it's a pretty huge DC week. DC dropped it's a huge. Bunch of big it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. You've never seen another week like it. That's right. It's it's the it's the winningest week in comics. <laughs> it is uh, it, it is the, the biggest comics ever. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get into the comics, one thing that did happen this week, um, and I'm glad we actually didn't record Saturday because it gave me time to watch the premiere episode of Swamp Thing on the DC Universe app. And I know we've talked about how it's still not on PS4. It is available on Xbox and I think an Amazon Fire Stick, maybe? Yeah, I see it's on Fire Stick, but it's not available as a prime channel yet, Ah, okay. Uh, which is what I'm looking for. But uh, I watched the premiere episode of Swamp Thing, and uh, you know, I just wanted to, to say a couple words about it. Uh, it's produced by James Wan of The Conjuring and, and you know, that whole series of films, um, and the director of Aquaman. Uh, it is also directed by Len Wiseman, who directed uh, the pilot episode for Sleepy Hollow. He directed the first couple of Underworld movies, like... Um, he's done a bunch of stuff and I gotta say it is in a fantastic first episode. I genuinely enjoyed it. It's got the right feel. It's got a good horror spin to it. Um, it's got a lot of Easter eggs for fans of that dark side of DC. They, they, there's mention of Xanadu. And if you've seen any trailers, blue devil does pop in somehow, um, into the series. So I, I'm genuinely enjoying the, at least I've enjoyed the first episode of Swamp Thing and I'm, I'm on board. Uh, you know, I don't know what issues arose that they had to cut production off a couple of episodes early. Um, you know, apparently it was creative differences, but, uh, the, 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 the first episode is indicative of how the rest of the season is going to be. It is a very good horror show. Um, you know, it has the, that, feel that you would get from like a supernatural or something like that, but much darker. Um, so I enjoy it. I recommend it. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear blue devils in there. I've always liked the character. It's just, you know, it's well produced. The acting's good. The direction's good. The special effects are good. And I am aware it's a first episode and most, <laughs> and most first episodes, you know, are, are well produced, but you know, in this day and age in, in the streaming service, age i guess of of t television you know it's not just the first episode that they spend all the money on anymore well i i saw some clips over the weekend and it looked pretty hot yeah and um, i'm not even a big swamp thing fan see i am you know i used to watch the usa network show of course i saw the original i i can't say the good the, the movies were good because I, I certainly didn't mm -hmm. care for the movie but i did see return of the swamp thing with uh, Heather Locklear, uh, you know, many, many, many times um, <laughs> in the 80s. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've, I've always been a fan of the character. And, uh, you know, this one, you know, there's no mention of the green or the red or any of that stuff yet. So oh, that's coming. 
That's now, I'm sure it's coming. So, but it, you know, it's, it seems to borrow more from at least right now a bit of that Alan Moore arc. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure we'll see some of that Scott Snyder, not Scott Snyder. Yeah, it was Scott Snyder, right? That 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 Snyder arc creep in. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it it just kind of cemented my DC week, just because it you know it was all DC all the time this week, except for one book that I'm going to just mention for five seconds at the end. Um, DC, <laughs> they were, they took no prisoners on my wallet this week. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, Heroes in Crisis number nine. Uh, came out this week, uh, wrapping up the uh, the 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 mini slash maxi series mm-hmm. uh, from Tom King, and you know if I recall correctly, all three of us were not thrilled by the last issue, mm-hmm. uh, by the previous issue, I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you know I know when I went into this, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the one that's gonna fix it. This is the one that's going to wrap it all up and make me feel like this was time well spent. Right. And and you got those first couple of pages in where all of a sudden Booster Gold and Harley Quinn and Batgirl and Blue Beetle have hopped back in time to prevent Wally from killing himself. Yeah, because they're going to go back yeah, in I, time. I actually had some hope when I saw that happen. Me yeah. too. I saw it in yeah. the preview pages even. I'm like, oh, yes, I should have had faith. I should have had faith. And then I read the book. Yeah, steaming pile, right? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, no having faith in that. It, yeah, I, uh, I I was stunned. Given how much I enjoy, I have enjoyed Tom King's other work, mm-hmm. I was stunned at how much I disliked this book. You know, I'm starting to wonder, has Tom King lost it? Like he's done some really incredible things, and then lately, things like his entire run on Batman is being cut, and he's having to do it off in one shots and our miniseries or something. You know. So did he just burn out? I don't know. You know, he he stuck the landing on Mister Miracle. Um, yeah. So I, I will give stuck him stuck it hard. Yeah. He broke his foot off in it. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was really good. But uh, this one, I got to tell you, like. Don't get me wrong. This series hasn't been like a masterpiece from the beginning, but the issue eight, and I feel like issue nine, like to a certain extent, was almost worse than issue eight. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's in that it it takes what issue eight does and doesn't even try to undo it. In fact, it makes light of of aspects of it. It like it's it's such a, yeah. a weird. The tone Way, yeah. is is completely off because, you know, at the end of the day, while Wally doesn't wind up committing suicide to, you know, lock all this in, he still has killed all those people at Sanctuary. Yeah, that's not yeah. undone. The fact that that Wally West is, in fact, a mass murderer. Is not changed by this book and, and framed Harley and Booster. And 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 in murdered poison ivy, murdered poison ivy yeah. in the process. I mean, I, I am, I, I am stunned at the light manner in which uh, 
this this story is told because this is ever ever bit as devastating as Sue Dibney dying in Identity Crisis, a book that came out 15 years ago, and that in a number of ways was as unsettling as this story. The difference is is that while Sue dies in that book, it is treated with the gravity and the seriousness that that such a death has. And that is just just does not happen here. No, there are some major characters that died in this. And Mm. it's just, yeah, sure, they try to lock him away, but it's just all treated like it's not that big of a deal. And like Booster and Harley, who have been framed, just pretty much forgive him. Well, Mm -hmm. and kick him in the nuts. But, you know, other than that, they pretty much just forgive him. And of course, that's played for laughs, right? I mean, yeah. Harley racks him and, you know, it's a, oh, right, that happens. And it, and it lingers, you know, I mean, the tone is just so wildly off in this book when it was painted as such a serious story, right? It is a, it is a, a story about grief and loss and mental illness and it, it is played for laughs in this book. And like I said, it's just basically tone deaf. Yeah. Yeah. And they have their whole uh, another round of heroes doing their admissions. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm rolling my eyes and just calling bullshit on most of them. Yeah. yeah. Can well, you really I... see Tim Drake ever calling Damien the cute but deadly Robin? Yeah. That's well, and, and completely Red out of character. And Red Tornado ripping off the vision. I'm considering yes. the family. I think it will be both interesting and productive. I anticipate few obstacles. I mean, I, I was trying to figure out, is that a ripoff or is that an homage? It's hard to tell. Well, and I got to be honest, the ending was confusing for me. So uh-huh. like, I understand they, they, they cloned the Flash. They cloned a dead body. They cloned the a dead body, but like... Which Flash actually got arrested? Was it the five days ago Flash? Like, did the the future Flash cease to exist? I guess he did, but it's you know it's all told very very, like, it feels like we spent eight issues at a snail's crawl mm-hmm. to barrel through the most important aspects of the story. You know when well, Sue, and when, the reason why you're barreling through that, Paul, is because it doesn't make sense. Well, fair. Well, it's the <laughs> so that part I got. It was the pat. The Flash from the went back to live those five days. And the Flash from the modern day is the one that got arrested. And can we all just say it is utter bullshit that Batman examining the body wouldn't find out that's a clone? Like a five days older thing doesn't make any sense. And well, Batman would find it. Batman would know it's a clone. Well, He's even dealt with clones recently. Yeah, it's just so confusing. Like, then why why do they need a body anyway? Like, because they arrested well, him. So, like, it, everyone knows that that that's not that that's not the real Flash because the real Flash has been arrested. And they show the heroes, you know, walking Flash into mm-hmm. you know his his jail you know cell or whatever. It, it it's it's honestly it's a sloppy ending. And you know you 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 referenced identity crisis. And I'm sorry, I, I'll let you here in a second. Um, I think what happened with Identity Crisis is that the shocking moments of Identity Crisis, you know, the the rape of Sue Dibney, the mind mm-hmm. wipe of Batman, all that happened in the middle of the story. Right. Heroes in Crisis held off 
on the most important aspect of the story until issue eight and didn't give it any time to 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 genuinely have the, to see the impact as we wanted to see it. And so um, overall, just a huge, huge failure for me. Yeah, this this book is terrible. But, you know, I do question that very last panel on uh, the last page of the book because you know, it, it is vague, which allows you to read into it. But I read into that that uh, Wally has disappeared into the into the Speed Force. I don't know. You know, what I'm hearing rumor of is that Wally will be the lead um, character in a new Suicide Squad book written by Brian Azzarello. Well, because he, he had practiced suicide, so, you know. Yeah, so might as well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which, again, I, I, you know, doesn't I, Brian Azzarello doesn't write um, introspective pieces. And I like Brian Azzarello, but that's not his, you know, that's not his style. So I don't, I don't we're not going to ever deal with the emotional weight of Wally, really, you know, effectively. Yeah. Well, I hated this book. I did, too. Yeah, yeah. I hated that I, I, I bought all nine issues. I'm 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 irritated by, by this story, and it, I just I feel like somebody in DC editorial should have, should have said whoa 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 yeah <laughs> you know I, I, it, the the book was just not put together well the it was a interesting idea that number one I think they chose the wrong character and it bothers me that they that they used Wally this way. Um, you know, the problem, you know, people say, well, you know, they're, they're just fictional characters and you can do with them whatever you need to do. But they knew that they were doing this to a character that so many of us are deeply connected to. Mm-hmm. You know, you I, know that, that for, for many of us, for many of us, Wally is our flash. Yeah. Bear, not Barry, un- Wally. I'm pretty unhappy with how they treated Booster, too. It gets to the end where Booster has all of these ideas about going and cloning the body and all that and he's just making jokes about a birthday party from last year yeah. booster has gone through a lot of character growth that none of it has been shown here yeah I, the, the, I, I'm really wildly dissatisfied with this book and I don't understand how the guy who wrote you know uh, Mr. Miracle turned out this book yeah because yeah, when, Mr. Miracle when dealt with similar themes mm-hmm. in a much more mature and interesting and thought provoking way. And it was pitch perfect yeah. throughout. And whereas this one wildly tone deaf. So anyway, wildly disappointed in this book, but you know, Paul, there's still many more DC books to, to redeem the experience of this week. I feel like you're, you're leading up to something that I'm going to disagree with you on. Well, I got to tell you, Superman Leviathan Rising number one was a wonderful book. Okay, good. I'm glad we don't disagree on that. I absolutely loved this book. Wayne, did you pick this one up? Nope, because I haven't read anything leading up to it. Ah. Um, I I would say all you would need to go into this is to have read um, the Leviathan, what is it? I think it's called Leviathan Rising uh, storyline in Action Comics. And then you can hop right into the Superman Leviathan Rising. And I'm aware it's a $10 book, but it's really, really good. <laughs> well, I, let me tell you how I got when it uh, ends and immediately cuts to, you know, the adventures of Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal. Yeah. 
I, I, my initial response was, God damn it. And then that story was wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's so tonally different, right? So oh, they have wildly a, different. They have a Greg Rucka, Lois Lane storyline that is such, so Greg Rucka. That, and then immediately it's followed by the Matt Fraction, Jimmy Olsen story that I'm reading it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, and yeah. I'm, just spoilers because, you know, Wayne hasn't read it, but I'm just going to go ahead and spoil an aspect of this, which is one of the biggest aspects of the Jimmy Olsen storyline is that he comes across this cat and like out of nowhere, the cat pukes blood over everything. And I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And then a couple pages later, you, you find out it's, um, the red lantern, the red lantern yeah. cat. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the payoff. I, uh, I, I, I don't want to spoil anything because I think I think most of the fun of this Jimmy Olsen story is the surprise yeah. that happens panel after panel. But I got to tell you, just that first panel, Paul, uh, it, there's so much there to be delighted about. If uh, you liked Fraction stuff on Hawkeye, I think he's going to bring that sensibility to Jimmy yeah. Olsen. Well, and you know what was funny is, you know, I, I read it in the guided view. Mm-hmm. And so it goes from that uh, that last panel with Lois, you know, stomping off going, I need to find Clark Kent. And it's this dark and moody sort of panel. And it cuts right to, in the guided view, just that long panel of Superman's friend, Jimmy Olsen. And... You know, and then that's where I'm like, God damn, I don't want to read, you know, the wild, wonky adventures of Jimmy Olsen. But man, it, it, I think it may be my favorite part of this book. See, I still that's give it to the Rucka. I, <laughs> I still give it to the I, Rucka part, but that, that I, is well, a great part. I'm not I'm not besmirching any of the rest of it. I'm not saying that the that this is only only great because the rest of it was terrible. It was all great. It was. But I, I think that the thing that I walked away from this book the most on was just like, God damn, that Jimmy Olsen story was great. It was just great. And and here's what I think I like so much about this book. And 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 I know, you know, if you rewind back six months, you'll you'll find different commentary. But I think <laughs> what I like about this book is that it is it is a Superman story unlike us unlike that I, I that I haven't seen probably since Rucka was on Action Comics, you know, mm-hmm. 10 plus years ago. Um, you know, it, it involves the reporters. It involves the espionage. It involves, you know, this global Leviathan, you know, conspiracy. And it, it's, that's, don't get me wrong, I loved when Jurgens and Tomasi were tag-teaming the Superman books and we had the story, the, the family story, and we're not getting that here. We might be getting that in the other book, but we're not getting it here. But we are getting this, we're, we're getting that reporter daily planet lifestyle in this book. And I just, I, I genuinely love that aspect of it. Yeah. So, you know, look at, look at the writing team in this book, Brian, Michael Bendis, Greg Rucka, Matt Fraction, Mark and Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, that is some superstar talent. And then on the artists, you've got, uh, Yannick uh, Paquette, uh, Mike Perkins, Steve Lieber, Eduardo, uh, Panseca and uh, Julio Ferreira. I mean, the the talent on this book mm-hmm. is outstanding. And here's the thing. It's not just one of those books. And you'll notice Paul and I aren't telling you anything about the story because we don't want to spoil it for you. That's how good this book is. We want you to go spend that nine ninety nine 
and read this book because this book is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that the thing that I think works the best about it, beyond that Jimmy Olsen story, the thing that I think works the best about it is that it's not just, okay, you're going to have these little segmented stories and then read the rest of it in your monthly title. It is actually bookended by the by the main Superman story. So you have a cliffhanger at the first part of the book that is actually resolved at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Now there's still, still there's still an, a mystery, right? Who's Leviathan? Right, right. right. But I mean the, the the immediate issue, which is a cliffhanger in the first part of the book, and then you've got the Jimmy Olsen story, the Lois Lane story, the Supergirl story. And then it comes back to the Superman story. I mean, I really think this was beautifully done. Yeah, I beautifully. absolutely agree. Yeah, uh, yeah I, and I, I gotta say, it. Paul, uh, I'll, I'll I'll spoil it right now. Book of the week. Oh yeah, I, sure. I love this book. I I thought this book was great, despite how much I enjoyed our next book, uh, Doomsday Clock, number and, ten. And here I was about to say it didn't have much competition. Oh, I really like Doomsday Clock number 10. I thought Doomsday Clock number 10 it, it did did what I feel like Heroes in Crisis number 9 tried to do. But I think it was actually successful here in kind of pulling some threads together and making sense out of some of the weirdness that we've seen elsewhere uh, in the Doomsday uh, Clock stories. But go ahead. Tell, tell me, Wayne. Tell me what you decide. Okay. So I won't say I hated the book. It is... There was some good that I really liked, and there were some things I really disliked about it. Uh, in the original Watchmen, there was a lot of Dr. Manhattan kind of jumping around in time and doing things like, uh, you know, it it's 1985, and I'm in this point. And I think it worked okay there. I don't think it worked here. As he's jumping around between multiple universes and multiple times, his interaction with this actor in the DC universe was boring and pointless and just took up space that could have been told better. And it didn't work like it worked in Watchmen because it wasn't about characters make a difference or we care about. I do think when he's looking at the Justice Society, that those were pages I thought were good. I loved his watching Superman and all of the different reboots and origins of Superman. I like how he's pointing out that it's not a multiverse. It is one universe that just keeps changing. And the biggest thing changing in it is Superman. So I enjoyed all of that, but it was like half of this book just wasted my time and was boring. And my whole issue with Doomsday Clock from the beginning has been pacing. I think the entire series could have been half as many books and done better with better pacing. I don't disagree with you about the length of this series and that I think it it could have uh, been trimmed down. But I I will disagree with you. Just like the pirate stories in the original Watchmen, I do believe that the uh, backstory of the the actor and the TV show that he's in, I think, or a movie he's in, are all intrinsic to the to this story. Uh, I I for the I, for the record, I hated the pirate stories in the original Watchmen. Well, <laughs> I, I, when I, I, I read it, I skip I, them. 
I, you know, when I was originally reading Watchmen when it was coming out as as a, as a monthly book, I didn't care for them either. I don't feel like the value of the pirate stories really is felt until you read it as, you know, an entire collected book. Um, and that's what, you know, I, I've tried to be patient with the with the retelling of this movie story and with the the actor engaging with uh, with uh, John. But uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I really thought this this may be the strongest of uh, the Doomsday Clock books. Paul, it's, 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 see, I never read the original as it came out in issues either. So I only read the original in trade. Right. Yeah. I don't so, know, Paul, what do you think? I don't know that I would agree that it's the strongest of the issues, but I did genuinely like this issue. Um, uh, it, it is one of the stronger ones for sure. Um, you know what? I, I will mirror what Wayne said. Um, my favorite, my absolute favorite aspect of this book is the explanation of the metaverse. Yes. Right. Uh, because it is so appropriately meta in its explanation. Like Dr. Manhattan has been there the whole time. Right. And he's seen like, hold on. No, Superman came here in 1938, and they're like, no, no, he came here in the 50s. Uh, okay, and and that like he, but he keeps seeing the universe rewrite itself, um, and it's all written around Superman. And so what he does is he, you know, he he re, he he makes a change by literally one subtle change in 1940 by taking by by putting the Green Lantern ring just out of Alan Scott's reach. You know, it, it's so meta in that he basically has rewritten the entire universe because now the Justice Society doesn't exist. They don't, and thus they don't inspire the League of Superheroes, the or the Legion of Superheroes. Um, and then Superboy, you know, is never given those those lessons. And ultimately, he, you know, it's it's the creation of the New Fifty Two, the New Fifty Two Superman. He's like this Superman, this one I like. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, hold on, <laughs> he changed again. Yeah. Um, and you know, that I because do, the universe is working against him. Yep. The, you know, and I like that. I really yeah. like that. I thought that was super intelligent. Um, you know, I do, you know, I, I see where Wayne's coming from in regards to the storyline with the actor. I did like it, um, in that, you know, it, it's for me, it explains why they've had this actor thing, but it also, it, it it's his entryway into this universe and his understanding of this universe. And when he just basically is like, ah, okay, well, like he just basically disappears and the actor dies. Like he abandons the guy because he's so cold hearted or doesn't have a heart. Basically. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, we, we talked, I think when we wrapped up issue nine, uh, talking about it, you know, two months ago or whatever, we said issue 10 is going to be the Dr. Manhattan issue. Then issue 11 is going to be the big shut confrontation. And then, you know, issue 12 is the denouement. And that's that's exactly what we're getting, you know. I mean, of, of, we we, we yeah. knew it was going to be it, um, but yeah, issue eleven is it seems like it's going to be the big the big throwdown between Superman and Doctor Manhattan. And I, yes, I'm aware it's going to be at least two months before I see it. Yeah, <laughs> but I really can't wait to see it. Yeah, Paul, you hit on something that I didn't mention that I absolutely loved. And it was the like I said I mentioned how I liked how he was looking at the different versions of Superman. I liked how they called out the new fifty two one as being wrong. Right. Yeah. Like it's so meta of that to call it out as well, what it was missing was the and they flat out call that out. They point that out. Here's why this this version didn't have the hope that 
the previous ones did, and the universe had to fix. I I got a big kick out of that because that is really meta. That's what happened. People didn't like the new 52 Superman because he didn't have that hope aspect, and so they brought it back. Really I enjoyed that. I am eager at some point when Jeff Johns has finished this book to, to hear him be interviewed about when this idea all came together. At what point, I mean, did he, I, I feel like some of this was seeded in the creation of the new 52. Yeah. But, and so, I mean, I, I, I just want to know how all that worked how all that came together yeah. to be able to do this. You because, know? you know, he had this idea, but if, you, if you've if you heard him talk of it, he didn't have this storyline. Right. You know, he, he didn't have the way that it's actually unfolding. He just had, you know, the, the basic threads of that new, of that reborn or rebirth storyline. Um, yeah, I would, in the end, in, in fact, what I would love to see is this is a story that only Jeff Johns can write because mm-hmm. no other writer is going to write Superman as the hub of everything in the DC universe. Well, and so tightly wind in the Justice Society because, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Johns adores the Justice Society. And, you know, the best Justice Society books ever written were written by Jeff Johns. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so, and, and as, as a, a huge, huge as, say, as a huge Justice Society fan, this issue was a love letter to them. Absolutely. It made me happy. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It, it was great to see him because, you know, the Justice Society has been absent from uh, the DC universe since the New 52. You know, there, there's been a creation of the society over on Earth 2 or whatever that is, but it's not the same. It's, you know, it's the the wrong version of the Justice Society, as, uh, you know, Dr. Manhattan might say. Yeah. Yeah, the problem with that version is they were youngsters still learning. And when we think of the Justice Society, one of the things we love about it is these are the legacy characters. Right. These are the veterans. Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, two out of three of us are into uh, what Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did this week on uh, uh, Doomsday Clock. So there's one more book that we uh, that we took a look at this week. Batman, The Last Night on Earth, book one from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, this is the big one. This is the one that Scott Snyder has been wanting to do. This is the story he's been waiting to tell you. Yeah, he has said that, um, you know, going back to interviews and stuff like that, you know, Scott Snyder has said... Um, he he spoke with Grant Morrison and, and he said that the advice Grant Morrison gave him years ago was you need to, you know, to make Batman your own because Scott Snyder was dealing with some severe depression issues when he was doing Batman and he, he was not he was not feeling like he was writing his Batman. Um, he was feeling the stress and Grant Morrison said, if you want to make Batman your own, you need to write your Batman birth story and your Batman like not necessarily death, but your final Batman story, right? The end of the Batman saga. So Scott Snyder did his year zero storyline or zero year or whatever the hell it was called. And this is his, his, you know, the, what, what him and Greg Capullo are saying is their last Batman story. Not maybe not the last Batman that he'll ever write, but the, the, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, 
you know, like Peter David and and uh, Gary Frank or not uh, Dale Keown. No, Gary Frank, um, you know, doing their their final, you know, Hulk story kind of thing. You know, this is this is Scott Snyder's take on this is my final Batman story, um, you know, and, and I didn't. I was tempted to pick it up in prestige format just because I love the format so much, but I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. I picked it up in digital. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear. Uh, Wayne, you picked this one up, right? Yes. So why don't you kick us off? Because you did not follow the Snyder and Capullo run on Batman, did you? Uh, some of it, but not all of it. Okay. So there were aspects of this that I recognized the ground being laid for from previous. Uh, I enjoyed how the story was set up initially. Uh, it, it led to some reveals early on. I've always been a sucker for post-apocalyptic stories. Uh, but overall, I, th- I don't think I'm going to pick up the next issue. And it wasn't that I disliked this one. It was... All of the questions I had were answered in this first issue. I'm not left wondering about anything else. I, Even though there's still more to come, this felt complete and contained to me. Hmm. What did you think, Aaron? There were things I liked about the book. Um, you know, I always enjoy seeing, you know, what happens to the heroes after the world dies. Yeah. But And so that's kind of fun. I... I I will tell you that given how much Batman's been up in his head over in uh, the Batman books, I was screaming inside my brain <laughs> in the the first, you know, quarter of the story yeah. as, you know, Batman is, you know, things aren't real. He's, you know, not perceiving things correctly. You know, I just I really had an issue with that because I'm like, you know, I am sick and goddamn tired of of somebody having Batman locked up and he's, you know, uh, fighting against his own nightmares. I'm just I'm sick of it. If I never read that story again, you know, I, I will be a happy man. Um, so I almost stopped reading at that point, but I plowed forward. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? Because it becomes apparent that, you know, Alfred's somehow involved in it. Um, I uh, I have issues with the book. I, I don't understand how we are so far into the future, but Alfred's still kicking. Uh, even though they've got him, you know, looking puffy and old when they remove the, uh, the digital effects. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It also seems weird that he's trying to bring his boy home. Um, I mean, that just that just seems weird to me. Um, not that he's trying to, you know, resurrect Batman because, you know, we find out that the original Batman is dead. This is a Batman clone, one of the clones that uh, Batman has engineered to ensure that every generation has its Batman because that that's not narcissistic. You yeah. know, that and we did uh, establish you know, that in that detective comics number 27. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, I mean that something seriously wrong with Batman, but uh, I, I, I do like the image of Batman wandering around with Joker's head. Uh, that amuses me, but it also reminds me of Thor disassembled where Thor is wandering around with Loki's head. 
and you know Loki is his conscience and his tormentor all at the same time. Feels like the same role that that uh, Joker is uh, performing here. Um, there are things I liked about the book. Number one, the, the book is beautifully drawn. I think there are some interesting moments between you know Wonder Woman and Batman in in the book, but uh, overall, I did not enjoy it. Overall, I think my favorite thing that happened in the book is the Batman with a costume that's basically a straight jacket, building his costume, fighting Arkham floor by floor, and taking little bits here. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I thought that was a nice touch where, you know, he was, he was you know, building his costume from uh, found items, but... Uh, for the most part, I, I will say that I don't think the book is successful in doing what it was trying to do, and I don't think I'm going to pick it up. I don't think I'm going to continue picking it up in single-issue format. I think I'm going to pick it up when it's collected. See, now I probably will finish off the storyline, because it's only a three-part storyline, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I will continue with it. I I will say the first issue didn't blow me away. Um, right. I enjoyed aspects of it. Uh, you know, I enjoyed the great Capullo art. I enjoyed some of the more fantastical elements of it, um, you know that this you know this Ralph Bakshi esque you know future world you know with Wonder Woman with a mohawk and you know the head of the Joker in a jar. I I love those crazy ideas, but at the same time reading this book, uh, you know what what frustrated me about it is yes we've already established the clone thing whatever, but it was so. So much a combination of things I'd already read. Um, this because this story is basically if you took Old Man Logan and yeah. threw in Deceased, which just came out last month. You know, when they're explaining what happened to the world, I'm like, is this does this have to do with Deceased? Because it, it genuinely seems like the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I was like, oh, okay, it's it's funny. Like you know, it's not it's not a tie into Deceased. But the world ends the same way, almost. Um, yeah. But it, it is, you know, you have, instead of the Hulk kids, you've got the Green Lantern babies. You know, you've, you've got so much of the similar concepts tied, you know, in, that I've already read. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, just because it's Batman, just because it's the Batman villains, you know, I'm curious to see what happens next. You know, the, the cover of the next issue with Scarecrow writing on the back of Bane. Yeah. I love that cover. So I'm, I'm going to give the three issues... Uh, you know, a shot unless issue two is so horribly awry that I, I you know, I don't care to continue. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed enough to pick it up and see where the story leads. Well, yay on you, Paul. Yeah. See, I just think they did the reveal of a clone way too soon. I think revealing it in the first issue took a lot away from the story. That was the part that was interesting is that he was, you know, other people were older, but he wasn't. I wanted to see him wonder and have to figure that out more. Once that reveal's done, that was the last thing I wondered about. So, again, I, I have no interest in continuing the story. It it wrapped up okay for me. <laughs> so, Paul? Yes, sir. Well, before we you know talk about next week's books... I do want to ref. I do want to talk about a book that came out this week that I only picked up yesterday because I read an article about it, and I, you know, I didn't pick it up uh, on Wednesday. I didn't have a chance to read it, but uh, Star Wars uh, from Marvel Comics released a, a book this past week 
called, uh, well, it's Star Wars issue 108. And uh, what's fun about it is if you ever read Marvel Star Wars back in the day, the series concluded with issue 107. And so as part of, uh, you know, an anniversary, Marvel's 80 years and, and that kind of thing, they have done the next issue of the Star Wars book. Uh, you know, it's got a Walt Simonson cover, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I thought that was a fun idea. So I went ahead and picked it up. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'll report back on how I feel about it next week. Well, you know, Paul, I was surprised that I didn't see you on the news this week there at opening day for uh, Galaxy's Edge. Ah, uh, you know, if I could have been there, I would have been. <laughs> well, bright suns, Paul. Bright suns, rising moons. Um, well, and so next week in comic stores, it's funny that I mentioned deceased because deceased number two comes out next week in comic stores, as does Justice League number twenty-five and Savage Avengers number two. Um, but uh, outside of comic stores, you can hit your Target or your Best Buy or your Amazon, or if you have DC Universe, just open up your app. Uh, this Tuesday, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, comes out, and I'm super excited to check that out. That's very exciting. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you right here next time for another very exciting episode of Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. See you next time. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.